Let's sing it for real. Skidamarinkadink-a-dink-a-dink-skidamarinkadoo. Is it our singing or you just don't like the song? Oh, now you got Lady going. Yeah, now Lady's upset. This is Life with Two on the Road and a dog. Welcome to an episode of Hot Marriage Cool Parents. Hello, hello. I'm Jamie Otis Hainer. And Douglas Hainer, not known as Otis Hainer. I really want Doug to change his last name to Douglas Otis Hainer, and then I can change my name to Jamie Otis Hainer. That was a real conversation we had. Yeah, we literally had that conversation, and Doug is... Against it. But that's not okay to me. (laughs) I could be against it. Well, I just feel like if I'm changing my last name, you should change yours too. Why? Because then we can be the same. We are the same right now. So right now I'm Jamie Otis, like, I guess, professionally, which sounds silly to me. I guess that's why I chuckled because <laughs> I don't know. It just sounds so silly to well, me. Well, Otis is way more pronounceable than Hainer is. Yeah. For, so like when it comes to like interviews and being uh, a TV host and things like that, it's just easier to be Jamie <laughs> Otis. And so I've always just stayed Jamie Otis. And then, but, but legally I changed my name to Jamie Hainer literally five years ago on our one year anniversary and just never changed it publicly, I guess. I think now, now that we have a family, I'm like, I just want to be Jamie Otis Hainer. Like, yeah, I but then both. we have to change all of our kids' name. No, we don't. I just want you to change your name. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> I want us to match. Oh, anyway. And no, and also because I'm taking your last name and like, why can't you take my last name too? My I know, last... it's endearing. Yeah. Well, we'll talk. We'll think. We'll think about <laughs> we'll it. We'll stop arguing on the podcast. Yeah. But um, we have Hendrix right here. Gracie's with her Gaga and Pop Pop. We just got home from a very very busy week upstate New York with yeah, my family. A lot of generations. The first thing we did when we got up there was my niece Alexis. She graduated from college, which is honestly a really really big deal. So she graduated from high school. Oh, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> I'm really tired. <laughs> Sorry, she's not even 18 yet. She'd be really smart if she graduated from college. <laughs> but um, it's a really, really big deal, though, because, you know, my grandma dropped out of high school and had a kid like really, really young in life. My mom dropped out of high school, had a kid really, really young in life. My older sister dropped out of high school and had Alexis really, really young in life. But Alexis did not drop out of high school and did she not hasn't have a, had a kid. Yeah, it's perfect. And so she's like, I mean, I just think this is a generation of like cycle breakers. And I'm really, really, and first of all, I'm proud of my older sister because she also has broken the cycle in her own life, you know, like with drugs and whatnot. Um, and also like raising a daughter who didn't drop out of high school. Not yeah. that dropping out of high school is bad. Like, don't even get me wrong. Like, it's not necessarily bad. Like my sister, Leah, you know, she had been through so much and going to high school was such a torture for her that I said, listen, if you drop out and if you get your GED, I will be just as proud of you because she was just going through a hard time in high school and it's not for everybody, but she, she yeah. did. She dropped out and got her GED and I am just as proud as, of her as I am, you know, of my niece, but like I'm just exceptionally proud mm-hmm. of my niece because she broke the cycle. And yeah, we haven't seen them in a really, really long time. I think it had been over six months, and certainly yeah. none of your family has seen Hendrix yet. So it was kind of this weird thing where, you know, we we know around us and and my family they've gotten tested for COVID, um, and it was a weird thing going up there, going camping and and bringing Hendrix and trying to figure out who can and can't hold them because yeah. there is a thing in in Jamie's family, and I don't I don't get the whole I want to hold a baby type thing, but you know, for women 
I, I, I kind of get it, I guess. What but do you mean you don't get it? I mean, like, I, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't get excited to hold a baby. <laughs> like, what, really? Yeah, like, it just, it's, it doesn't, like, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't get why. I can't why, believe that right now. I don't get why people have to hold a baby. Because there's nothing more loving and special and miraculous than new life. I know, but like and nothing more cuddly. His age, though. You're gonna make Hendrix Hendrix upset. <laughs> oh, I'm not you trying have, to. Do you have make... something to say about that, Hendrix? He's no. laying right next to me. We're upstairs podcasting in my bedroom, at our bedroom, <laughs> because I am just, I am really, really beat. I am so exhausted. I can't tell you what it does traveling with two. Yeah. <laughs> that itself is really, really rough. Last night I'm driving for six hours. We yeah. had a six-hour trip home. Well, it was literally it turned a ten-hour trip home yeah. because we have two kids in one, two in <laughs> two months. So yeah. it just took a really long time to get home. And but I'm hell, driving. Hell didn't even happen until we were five minutes away from the house. That's when yeah, both babies lucky. started crying. The dog was crying. Yeah. Uh, it was, but like the sweetest thing happens when Hendrix cries and Doug tries to console him. And I'm not trying to point this out or anything, but it's just something as a mother that makes me feel so special. Because when Hendrix cries, anybody could go to try to console him, but it doesn't work. But the minute I'm there, I mean, I, it's just unbelievable. Like I will do the same exact thing that Doug was doing. So like last night, Doug was just trying to put the bink in his mouth and mm -hmm. like hold it on it. Like, kind of like, I was like, Doug, rub, rub his face. He tends to calm down when I do that. <laughs> and so Doug's trying to put the bink in his mouth and rub his face and Hendrix is just screaming and I'm the one driving. So Doug takes the wheel while I have my hand on the pedal or my foot on the pedal. <laughs> and I reach my body all the way back across the car because he's on the other side. He's on the passenger side. Car is such a mess. Yeah. And and I literally hold the bink in his mouth and rub his face and he instantly calms down and goes to sleep. Yeah. Even the sound of your voice, you just. Yes. Calms. I'll, I'll sing a song and Doug hates it when I sing. But if I sing a song, <laughs> my son, it's unbelievable. It's been happening yeah. since he's been born. And I thought it was going to go away. But still to this, like, to ne I mean, he's only two and a half months old, <laughs> but still he still calms down when he hears me. And it's like. The feeling that that makes me feel. It's really sweet. It's like not even just sweet. It makes me feel like Superwoman. It feels like the bond and the connection. Like I can't explain it. And like yeah. there's just no deeper love than that. Like it just makes me feel so needed and worthy. And oh my goodness. It's really sweet. And so we were thinking about uh, driving down to Florida. So if you're just tuning in now, in the beginning of the year, Jamie and I had taken a trip to Florida to find property uh, and try property. to find, yeah, <laughs> try to find a, a house that we can um, turn into an Airbnb. And so we're going to try to go down after Henley's birthday, which is at the end of August. And the thought got thrown out there that we were going to try to drive down to possibly. avoid COVID and airplane in airlines yeah. and airplanes and stuff. And the 10 hour trip just made me feel like there's no possible way I want to put the kids through that. Yeah. I mean, there's no possible way I want to put myself through that again. I can Honestly, barely get out of bed today. I'm literally, it is three o'clock in the afternoon and we are podcasting late because we had nowhere to, we literally got up to New York and immediately went to a camper that's going to be destroyed, I think, toward, <laughs> at the end of the summer. For and, no good reason. Right. It's just outdated. We were at a campsite. We were nowhere near service. We were nowhere near outlets, for that matter. And uh, but we made the most of it, and we got yeah. we got through the week. It was great seeing everybody up there. And but that's not what I was going to say because oh. you know I really we haven't shared an awful lot about it. But my stepdad who 
I grew up calling dad. Like that's who I thought was my dad, I guess, as a kid. My mom, my mom always was very honest and said she didn't know who my dad was. I didn't have a dad on my birth certificate. So, you know, there was no hiding that she didn't know who my dad was. But um, anyways, this guy, my stepdad is, I'm not going to say his name because out of respect to my family and stuff, mostly because my sister and my brother, his biological children are trying to really like, you know, honor him in his death. He died on July 4th. I don't think my sister really is like sharing how he died, but it was a sudden death. And, you know, you can probably put the pieces together if you know anything about my history. Yeah, it was sad. They had the funeral on Sunday. Yeah. And the thing about it is that every single one of us, like, I guess feel a bit abandoned by extended family who knew about our existence, but like didn't care enough to like reach out to us at all ever when we were kids growing up. Everyone knew about my mom and my stepdad and my stepdad was in and out of jail for, you know, hurting my mom, like really like trying to take her life, you know, just trying to say it gently in his passing because... You know, I I guess like one thing that I've learned is that everyone has their demons. Everyone struggles with something. And so did this man. I mean, he clearly had his demons. I don't know what the issue was, why he felt like necessary to beat women and to he constantly had to have like this power over women, like not just my mom. I mean, my, my mom left him eventually. And um, then like the women that he dated even after he would just beat them into submission like I don't it's like terrible and then you know I remember when I had custody of my siblings and he quote-unquote wanted to talk to his daughter and came over to my trailer pounding on the door my sister and I were hiding in our bedroom thinking like should we call the cops like we, I was like don't make a don't make a peep we closed all the blinds like we were terrified of him getting inside but eventually I mean my sister was like he's just drunk he's just drunk you know don't call the cops because she loves that's her dad she does love him it's a very weird dynamic when you're trying to protect your parent who doesn't want to protect you and isn't being safe towards you. And that goes for my mom and my stepdad, really. And so in any case, my sister and I would just hid in the bedroom and waited for him to stop pounding on the door. And eventually, I think he just took his drunk self home and slept it off. And we never even really heard from him about that. I don't know. Who knows if he even remembered it? Like, you know, yeah. I have no idea. I only met him once at uh, your sister Leah's gender reveal party for her daughter. Yeah. I barely even said two words to him then because I have this really hard time of forgiving and forgetting and pretending it never happened. I like just, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I just can't do it. My sister was with someone way back when my niece Alexis was born. My sister met this man and he beat the the snot out of her, but she also beat the snot out of him. She's a tough cookie. <laughs> She's very tough. But you know, I just remember my sister calling me, begging me to call the cops, call the cops because he's he's choking her out. So I did. Of course, I called the cops and she was begging me to come over to save her. And then, of course, the phone, he got a hold of the phone, turned the phone off. So I drive over to my sister's house. By the time I get there, and I was like, get your hands off my sister. And then by, by the time I got there, my sister's crying and begging me to to like tell the cops to go away. And, and, like, and she started blaming me and was all mad at me for even like calling the cops and like things of that nature. And it's like, ay, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a weird cycle. It's a really, really weird cycle. But the thing about it is, is that I'm, like I said, I'm so proud of my sister for breaking out of that cycle. I'm proud of my niece, Alexis. Like there was no woman in my line, through my direct line, like my grandma, my great grandma, no one ever graduated high school. I was the first woman to graduate high school and I'm the first one to go to college and graduate high and graduate yeah, college. It's a big deal. Yeah, I do. I feel proud of myself for you that. Should. It's just so cool to see it continue to happen like with my niece yeah. and with 
you know. What happens too is that, you know, you set an example. Okay, Hendrix. <laughs> Hendrix you, wants to say hello. I know. You set an example for your sisters and, you know, hopefully Lexis, you know, her graduating will set an example for, you know, her brother and sister and everybody else in the family for that matter. Needless to say, my stepdad, he passed away on July 4th. Oh, Hendrix. Tell mama. Okay, okay. Yeah, so he passed away on July 4th, and they, they gave him a nice send-off. Um, he was someone that served his country, which we're, we're all thankful for. And Yeah, and that was the one thing my sister and my brother, so they're twins, and they're, they're his biological children, my youngest siblings. And my sister Leah was kind of in charge of the whole entire funeral because his family didn't really want a whole lot to do with him because of the choices that he made in his life. And, and also, like I said, because of that, they, I think that they just assumed that his children would be, you know, something similar to him, which is really quite sad. Which is quite the opposite, actually. Yeah. And and that's true too. I mean, it's sad either way. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's sad for both of them, you know, for both of them to lose a parent and, you know, a father figure of sorts, you know, it's it's just sad. Father figure. I mean, it it was their father. And this is like, it's like almost like something I'm passionate about and almost like a message that I want to share because this happened to me and all my siblings with my mom and our family. We grew up knowing before my mom was a drug addict, you know, we'd go to these family Thanksgivings and Christmases and whatnot. And we were always late because my mom had five kids. She had a husband that didn't take good care of her or help out at all. And then when she left him, she just had five kids. But so they were always like annoyed with us for being late and we could always sense it. And I was always so embarrassed. But my mom was just trying to do the best she could do. And she had no support from her family. And I swear to goodness, her family just I think that they must have thought that we were all just going to be like lowlifes and drug addicts ourselves and maybe on welfare like we grew up. And when my mom really went through her drug binges and completely neglected us, not one of them reached out to say, hey, do you need some help? I mean, quite honestly, it was the complete opposite. They were expecting me to like pay back this loan, which is, I mean, I talked about it in my book, Wifey 101. So I'm not going to go into detail about it here on the podcast, but it's just really heartbreaking. And, you know, when I talked to my sister, Joanna, at our stepdad's funeral, I was like, how do you, are, are you doing okay? Like, how are you feeling? Cause she is crying. And she said, I just feel bitter. And I was like, oh my goodness, that word, like just the word bitter, like there's just no better word. It's like, it encompasses so many things. It's like these people, you know, are our siblings, like they're blood related, but they never reached out to our siblings to like see if they needed any help or. You know, but that is kind of what defines you and your siblings. And it made you all independent. And you should all be very proud of yourselves for for the situation and getting yourselves out of the situation. And, you know, being successful and having a successful family and, and you guys did it all on your own. Yeah, no, I think we are all very proud of ourselves. And I'm undoubtedly so proud of my siblings. I really, really am. But I guess like just like the public service announcement to anybody who has family or extended family and you you think something of them, like just like, I don't know, maybe if you, maybe you don't approve of their parents' decisions or whatnot, but if there's kids involved, show them a little love. Truly like show them some love because I mean, I could literally just sit here and cry thinking if someone had just shown us a little love 
you know, like maybe it just would have been a little brighter for us growing yeah. up. Well, speaking of love, I think it's about time for a five-star review, which kind yes. of shows love, love to the podcast. Yeah, and no, I mean, a whole, whole totally shows love to the podcast. Yeah. And that like makes me smile. So thanks, yeah. Doug. We love your feedback. Leaving a five-star review is one way to get in touch with us. And we love to give a shout out to a five-star reviewer. And this week comes from r.davis94, who says, keep being you, Jamie. Jamie, I recently discovered maps on Hulu. Started with season one and instantly fell in love with your love story. I found you on Insta just to see how you and Doug are doing, and it's clear you're thriving. I'm currently trying to conceive my first, and you give me so much hope. I go on long walks during the day and listen to your podcast as I try to stay positive on this journey. Keep being you for the rest of us. That's nice. Oh my goodness, that's so sweet. And honestly, that's exactly why I am so open and vulnerable and vocal about everything in life because like even hearing a message like that from her saying that she's trying to conceive like I just I just feel for her I relate to her and I just it makes you it makes us all feel less alone if we're just a little bit more honest about our struggles and whatnot yeah but I always thought that it was easy to make babies same I always did too I really did <laughs> well your family's very fertile that's why yeah my mom didn't plan for any of her kids <laughs> <laughs> like no joke. And so she told me that it was going to be so easy and to be careful and you're going to get knocked up and all these things. Yeah. And didn't exactly. It is pretty cool though, that we are on Hulu married at first sight. The first year is on there and I haven't seen or heard those episodes in a long time. Speaking of married at first sight, this season of married at first sight is good. It is so good. Yeah. I think my favorite couple right out of the gate barely even know them like <laughs> but i think it's gonna have to be well actually it's kind of a tie because woody and amani are really adorable but yeah. bennett and amelia if you guys haven't watched the season of married at first they're sight my, they're my favorite bennett and amelia are <laughs> unapologetically themselves they yeah. are quirky and adventurous spontaneous full the, of smiles and giggles and optimism and the experts got it right completely with those did there is nobody else for them other than them. each other yeah honestly her hair almost looked like a bird's nest and then she had like a bird in her hair on her wedding day <laughs> i'm not even kidding you like i'm not yeah. saying that like that's just and she loved it and she that's who she is and she looked beautiful yeah and i didn't know how the not shaving of the underarms was gonna go but bennett seemed to be like yeah no it shows me that she's a confident woman and and kind of sexy to him for some reason yeah amelia doesn't shave her underarms or probably anywheres really and which i don't know if i'd be able to handle really doug yeah i i don't i don't think so it's just part of it it hasn't been part of my culture, culture. yeah yeah I, honestly for me i've never met a woman that did that ever like I, i've never known someone that just well, didn't shave becca martinez who's been on our podcast she doesn't shave doug i know but i didn't know that okay but anyways i personally enjoy shaving and maybe it's because i grew up shaving but like my prickly legs will drive me nuts especially with <laughs> a pair of tight jeans there it's almost like nails on chalkboard for me if my like prickly leg hairs are like rubbing up against jeans you're it, not a hairy person though yeah i'm really lucky and also i don't really wear jeans if my legs are hairy like don't get me wrong <laughs> i don't shave every day i just don't wear jeans every day yoga pants it doesn't happen in so yeah. i just wear those instead you barely wear clothes nowadays i'm literally podcasting topless <laughs> I mean, my I'm not going to lie. You really don't wear clothes at all. I am sitting here 
cluster feeding Hendrix. <laughs> yes. He's and it's just easier feeding. to not have a shirt on. I'm in my husband's boxer briefs and no clothes other than that. Mm-hmm. And I have my sleeping eye mm-hmm. mask on my forehead. That's right. Envision that for a second. I'm rocking <laughs> Hendrix, who's been fussy this whole podcast. Maybe we should just get the get our guests on. What do you think, Doug? Yeah. We have a really, really fun guest on today. Yeah, so I found Sanji on Instagram. Like, I find most of my mama warriors and the people who inspire me most, I follow them on Instagram, and then I stalk them, and then I'm like, hey, <laughs> want to come on the podcast? Very I true. Because I, I just think that everyone would love them. Oh, Hendrix, mm. baby. Okay. The boob fell out. Okay, so... I got to settle down again. By the way, thank you guys so much for letting us just be real parents and podcast in bed topless with my my two-month-old baby <laughs> who's ready for sleep and he's fighting it. But anyways, yeah. so I found Sanji on Instagram, like I was telling you, and she's just such an, a positive, positive woman. I mean, she has been through H-E-L-L and back. I mean, literally. And yeah, she, backs against the wall uh, with health, with family, with everything. Yes. She just came out on top. Yeah. So she has an incredible story about beating cancer and also having being pregnant while fi- getting the diagnosis that she has cancer. So it is quite the story. I can't wait to get her on. But before we bring on Sanji, I do want to mention Jonas Paul Eyewear. We spoke about them last week, but they are on a mission to help kids feel beautiful and confident in their glasses. So they specialize in glasses for kids and teens ages 4 to 16. They have a home try-on kit that's just a dollar lets you try on your glasses. There's no waiting at the store. There's no pressure to buy anything right then and there within an hour. You can test out the glasses and order online all from the safe comfort of your own home. Their prescription glasses start at just $79, which includes prescription lenses. And for all the kiddos that are having some extra screen time, some home learning, or if your kid like Henley is just on the tablet a lot, they also offer blue light blocking lenses, which is available for all Jonas Paul frames um, for both prescription and non-prescription. So if any of you have any kiddos that could use some glasses or even that blue light blocking lenses, check out JonasPaulEyewear.com. You can use the code word COOLPARENTS15 for 15% off. That's JonasPaulEyewear.com. Use the code COOLPARENTS15 to get 15% off your order. And without further ado, it is now time to bring on Sanji. Sandella Martins, she's a mama of two, a wife, and ovarian cancer survivor, and she's our guest today. Sandella's story is unique because when she was pregnant with her second kiddo, she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer after doctors spotted a cyst on her ovary at her 14-week pregnancy scan. She and her daughter fought through it, and now she has a beautiful baby, and she's cancer-free. We are so happy for her. Sandella uses her platform to spread awareness about ovarian cancer, and we hope that it helps any ladies right now that are fighting a similar battle. Sanji, thank you so much for coming on. Do you mind if I call you Sanji? Uh, yes, that's fine. <laughs> that's what you go by on Instagram. <laughs> thank you. Yes, everyone calls me Sanji because they say the Sandra is complicated to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, thank you so much. We are so incredibly happy to hear that you are officially cancer free. You are so incredibly brave and strong for so many reasons, but mostly like to be able to share this story so loudly to help support and encourage other mamas who may have gone through it. And honestly, 
you never know your story could help prevent a woman from yeah. not even just feeling alone but like sometimes us women we just forget to go to the doctors you know we just put our own needs off and so then we don't go to the doctors to get the routine visits that we need and maybe your story could encourage a woman to go to the doctors just to get her yearly checkup and prevent right. something disastrous if they catch it early enough right but yeah so happy to have you on to kind of share your story before we were recording i was just saying how I could never share your story as well as you can. So I was hoping you would be able to share your story with everyone listening because it is so, so inspiring. It gives you all the feels. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, when I was first diagnosed, I felt super, super alone. And then once I started sharing my story, I started getting feedbacks, positive feedbacks of people that went through it and it wound up being okay. And I think it gave me an even bigger boost to fight it and to share my story even more because yes, we women, we need to stick together. We got to share stories because it may, sometimes it's embarrassing. just like, you know, going to the doctor and getting checked up and a lot of people don't want to do it, like you said, and we put it off and maybe if we'd gone sooner, you know, we could have saved a lot, either if it's your health or time-wise with your family. So if you can take us back to the day that you found out, were you feeling any symptoms leading up to that appointment that you had? No, not at all. We'll start at the beginning. So, you know, we were very excited to be pregnant with our second. We found out on my daughter's one-year-old birthday party. Aww. We were very excited. We went for our checkup. Everything was fine at 10 weeks. Everything was okay. And then I went about 14 weeks and they said they found a cyst. And they said, do you know that you have a cyst? And I mean, I have, what is a cyst? Oh, and they actually explained, right. you know, women go through it, some have it they shrink or they'll grow really big and you have to surgically remove it or it will just go away on its own. So we'll just monitor it. And I said, okay, that's fine. You know, I wasn't in pain and it was about the size of, they said a golf ball. And so I go, okay, that's fine. And it wasn't the left ovary. So I went home and maybe about 16 weeks, almost 17, I was starting to feel back pains when I would go to bed. When I was laying flat, my back hurt and I was in so much pain. I would. I have about an hour and a half of drive to go to work. So that drive there, I would have to put my fist, make a really strong fist, and put it in the back of my lower back and hold it there to kind of put a pressure so it wouldn't hurt as much. And then throughout the day, it would go away. So, you know, of course, I forget about it. I'm perfectly fine. Why don't you go to the doctor? I'm fine. And it's just a back pain. So as I went on, I think it was, why when I hit the 17 week, it was like 17 weeks in a day, I went to sleep. And then the pain was so severe. It was just very, very painful. So I called them in and I said, you know, I have a check-in at 18. Can I please come in a little early because I'm in pain? And they said, oh, sure, come in. So we went, she did the ultrasound, and the cyst had doubled in size. That thing just grew massively so fast. And then now, at this point, it wasn't just a cyst with the liquid part. Within the cyst, there was a solid part to it, and they didn't know what it was. And that's what scared them. So they said, let's do some blood work. So they did blood work and then they pulled me aside and they said, look, we're not sure what it is, but it's growing too fast, obviously. So we need to find out how we're going to remove the actual cyst, but we don't know what the other part was in your blood level. But white blood cells is 30% above the normal. When you're pregnant, it can be that he said about six to 7% above the normal, but mine was 30% above the normal. So he said, it's not right. You have to go to a specialist. So we'll schedule it for next week. And this happened on a Thursday. So I said, okay, went home. I wasn't in pain and I'm not thinking big deal. Okay. No, maybe I had to do surgery to remove it. But he said, but like two little incisions. So be okay. Went home about three in the morning. I wake up to go to the restroom. As I get up, I'm holding onto the walls because I feel a little dizzy. But then that pain came back 
And now it wasn't just my lower back. I started to feel on my ribs and I'm holding onto the wall. My body's shaking and shaking. And then I just collapsed to the ground because I can't get up. I'm in so much pain. And with my first daughter, I had natural labor with no no medication or pre-medication. So it felt that way. It felt as if I was having contractions. Wow. And I'm like, I'm going to lose my baby. I'm going to lose my baby. But I wasn't bleeding. So I was like, okay, no, no, I'm not going to lose my baby. But something's wrong. Something's definitely not right. So I wake my husband up and he's trying to stay calm. And I'm trying to gather you know, all the stuff for my older daughter to send it to grandma. And since we live an hour and away in the, from the hospital and grandma, we're trying to rush really fast. So I can't get up. So I'm trying to hold on to the wall that he's putting my daughter in the car and finally he comes, he gets me, puts me in the car. And within half an hour of that drive, the severe kind of contraction labor pain, totally gone. I mean, it's gone. Wow. Like I went from, you know, shaking, couldn't get up. I threw up to totally fine. And I'm going again to my husband. We can go home. We don't need to go to the hospital. Oh my goodness. And (laughs) and he said, no, 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 no. I already called work out. You were going. We're going to make sure you're okay. (laughs) So we got to the emergency room. And after two hours, they put me in and ended up ultrasound. And they said, okay, so the massive cyst ruptured. So the reason why you're in pain is because the liquid fluid is everywhere in your body. And that's why in so much pain. But the good news is you don't need surgery to remove the cyst anymore. So your body will kind of observe it and everything will be fine. So give it about five days and you won't be in pain anymore. I said, okay, because as I was waiting for the two hours, I move a little and it'll be a little bit painful, but kind of like cramped, but not that bad. So he said, this is going to go away, that feeling. So you're fine. Just go home and rest. I said, oh, okay. So now the cyst is resolved. I don't have to remove everything. It's good. I went back to work. And of course, my doctor called me and he said, you know, I had set an appointment for you to go to the specialist, but you didn't go. I said, oh yeah, I called them. I said that I needed to go because the cyst is already ruptured and the emergency room doctor said it's going to be fine. Just rest for a couple of days and you're good. And he said, no, 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 no. But you forgot your blood level. Like, it was really high. And I said, oh, that's right. And I'm thinking, oh, it's maybe it's because of the cyst. I don't know anything. So anyways, right. I went to the specialist and the nurse did ultrasound and then a nurse walked in. Okay, then I came another doctor and I'm freaking out. I'm just staying really quiet. I'm a very bubbly personality. You know, I talk to everybody. There's never an awkward moment with me, but I was quiet. And this was very rare for me to stay so quiet, but I was so nervous. And then he said, okay, we need to take you to another room because this machine is not really high tech. It's an old machine. Let's take it to a different one. <laughs> That's reassuring. Thinking, Maybe they just can't see it really well. You know, they need to look better. Okay, we'll go to another room. I'm walking around the whole hospital to go to the other room all naked go in there and he comes in looks at it brings another doctor like, oh my god how many doctors and then it's like okay put your clothes back on i'm gonna go talk and you know discuss this and when i come back we'll see what we're gonna be you know the next steps so i said okay so i'm there all quiet put on my clothes and then he walks in and i kid you not with the box of tissue mm. my heart drops and oh, i start crying oh i'm so sorry and it's okay it's okay and then he says Look, you have a tumor and we think it's a germ cell tumor and it's a 50-50 chance that it could be cancerous. But then again, it could be not. And then I start crying, but I'm staying quiet and I'm just in shock, you know. But when he said cancer, I already, you know, ooh, right. and I found the box of tissue. Right. And I told them, like, why did you bring the box of tissue? It's not helping the situation. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, no, 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 you got this. If you are my sister, this is where I would send you. So you're going to go there. And he's going to take care of you. So the next day, I went to the surgeon and then amazing doctor. Oh, my goodness. So sweet. And he checked me out and he said, you know what? You have to get this out within the 18-week mark. 
because past that, it'll be very dangerous for the baby because it won't have much room for them to work in there. Right, right. So then they said I had, so I got so lucky because I was at 17. Oh, by, thank goodness. So then he said, and you know, you got lucky because tomorrow I have an opening. Otherwise, it'll be in three weeks, which would have been bad for me. I was like, oh, I got to call in work because I don't know if I can miss tomorrow. And he <laughs> said, are you serious? It's between your life right. or your work? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yes, you're right. Okay, okay, let me still call. And the next day at about, I think it was 7, 7.30, I was already there. I had the surgery. And then I wake up and I see this bright light and I start having contractions. And Uh-oh. I start moving my body like crazy. You know, they just opened me up kind of like a C-section. And I'm freaking out because I feel the contraction. And they said, if you keep moving and wiggling around like I was, because I kept wiggling like crazy, they said, you're going to lose the baby. So you have to try to stay calm. So here I am in, you know, panic. I just woke up. I don't know what happened. I'm having contractions. It's hurting so bad. And I have to stay calm. And of course, for my daughter. Was it normal to have contractions? So they said, no. That's why they said, if you keep moving, you're going to lose this baby. I was just supposed to wake up and, you know, feel a little pain and tell them, oh, I feel pain here and there. But... Instead, I was feeling contractions. So then they said, okay, we need to give her more pain medication. We need to kind of try to slow down the contractions, but you have to sit still. So I'm clamping onto the bed so hard. And finally, after 10, 15 minutes, it went away. And I was fine. The baby was okay. So then they moved me to another room. And I don't see my doctor. I don't see any of the nurses that I went into the surgical room with. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, what's the cancerous? Because I didn't know. They had to open me up and look at it, you know, and test it. Right, right. And I'm, please tell me it's not cancer. Please tell me it's not cancer. And nobody could tell me. So finally, I call my husband and he's, no, 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 no. When you come in here, I'll into the room, I will talk to you. But I did talk to the doctor because the doctor had to go into another surgery. So that's why he wasn't there. And the moment he said that he wouldn't tell me right away that it wasn't bad, he would have already told me. So I would have been, you know, peace right. of mind. I'm okay. But because he kept not telling me and I kept trying to ask him, he said, no, when you get here, I was already thinking bad news. So I get to the room and they come and they bring me food. And he's like, okay, do you want to hear what the doctor said? And I was like, no, I don't want to hear it. Because to me, if I didn't hear it, it wouldn't be real. Mm-hmm. But then you hear your loved one, like the love of my life telling me that I have cancer. Mm-hmm. And of course, there again, I broke down and I cried. And I was hating life for a moment because I was like, why me? I feel like I'm a good person. Like, why would good people deserve this? But I mean, cancer doesn't discriminate. It could be anybody. You know, and I was very sad and I was very depressed for maybe a week or two. But I knew if I was feeling that way, then my baby was going to feel that way. And therefore, we wouldn't have a chance to fight it. So I took a different route and I said, you know what? I'm going to be positive as much as I can because I still have my daughter that's here. Mm. And this one, we are going to fight together. We're going to make it. Because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have found out. Like, when do we ever, women, get an ultrasound if you're not pregnant? A hundred percent. Exactly. We don't, you know, and I feel that this should be okay. Every six months, you are going to get an ultrasound because if this is common in women, you know, the ovarian cancer, it's so high. So why shouldn't it be in there included as something that needs to be included? But no, it's only when you're pregnant. You know, in a strange sort of way, your daughter that was inside you, it's almost like yeah. she had saved your life. She did, and that's how I see it for sure. Yeah, because you're right. You wouldn't have gotten an ultrasound if it wasn't for her. Right, And I know, God forbid, if this were to ever happen to Jamie, my first thoughts would be, okay, what's the treatment like, and does the treatment affect the baby? Was any of that sort of laid out for you as far as next steps? I know it's probably like just a tremendous shock for the initial part, but... 
Yeah, after the surgery recovery, he said, you're going to have to start chemo. And I'm thinking, yo, am I have to, have to choose between my baby and, you know, and me? And he said, no, you know, it's up to you to do chemo while you're pregnant or to do chemo after. If you do after, it could spread. Because right now, it's at a good stage. We caught it early. If you wait, it might spread and it might be a little bit more hard to treat or it might be too late. But if you do while you're pregnant, you also have the risk, you know. And he said, we don't have that many studies pregnant women and doing chemo, so we can't tell you exactly what's going to happen. But Jeez. the only thing that he could tell me is that maybe my baby would lose hearing and it'd be anemic. That was like the one thing that might happen. And everything else, it was unknown. But I needed to fight this. And he's like, no, but the placenta, you know that placenta is so strong. It will protect your baby, but it's up to you. It's really up to you. And, you know, I decided to do the chemo while I was pregnant. I was having all the pregnancy hormones and then I was having chemo effect, Yikes. which made me so weak. And, you know, driving to chemo an hour and a half and then driving back. It was hard, but my will to fight it and the will to survive for my daughter was so strong, you know, that it kept me going. And I was always happy when I got to chemo and when my hair started falling out. It, of course, it really made cancer real and I broke down yeah. and I was afraid. I don't know if you ever seen those videos on Facebook where the dad shaves and then the baby looks at it and starts crying yeah because it doesn't recognize the dad yeah. you know i didn't want my daughter to look at me that way i know she wouldn't mean it yeah but it would affect me you know like forever because she looks at me like i'm wonder woman i don't do anything wrong. i'm perfect <laughs> yeah so <laughs> i didn't want her to look at me and cry and freak out so we decided to do it at home and my husband did it and i was a little emotional but he made it funny where he cut just the side a little short <laughs> and then he cut the top really short. So I looked like a little old man, all bald. <laughs> when I looked in the mirror, I started just laughing. And my daughter thought it was funny. She kept gathering the hair and putting it on my leg. Aww. So that wasn't too bad. <laughs> so we kept the family involved. So it wasn't so bad. But yeah, chemo got me a little weak. I lost a little my appetite. I couldn't taste food for a little while. But then I got a little better after the third week of chemo. Because I had to go every day for about five to six hours. Oof. And yeah, it was a long day. Then I would start feeling a little bit more like myself. But you know, it, it it was hard in the beginning. But I think if you have a positive mindset, you know. Yeah, and I hear that anytime that you talk to cancer survivors and really anybody that has had cancer, attitude is everything. And it almost seems like it's like paramount to the success of all of the treatment. Yeah. How old was your daughter while you were going through this? She is 22 months now. So she was about a year and maybe three, four months. Yeah, because when I was recovering from surgery, the second day it was Halloween. Gotcha. And, you know, my husband didn't want to take her. And I said, no, you're taking her. You're not running her <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. No, and I worked so hard on that outfit. She was little red riding hood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you never had to have that conversation then, I guess, with your older daughter. Because she was oh, too young no, to understand. No, because she didn't understand. Yeah, she just kept pointing to my scar and she's just, you know, the boo-boo. And then oh. she kept trying to kiss it. <laughs> oh, that's so But sweet. I think that would be very hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask, how long did you have to have chemo while you were pregnant? Did it happen the whole entire pregnancy? So I did at about 22 weeks all the way. So it was about two, two and a half months. Wow. And so then how... And then I had, you know... a. Uh, uh, at the end of it, they said, okay, now it's good that you did kind of in the middle of your pregnancy because then now you have a few more months where you can kind of, you know, build your immune system and be strong for the baby. I love how your doctor said that the placenta is so strong that it's going to protect your baby. And man, that placenta, it really is so strong, yes. right? Yes. Did your baby yeah. have any sort of side effects from having chemo while being pregnant? 
No, the only thing I said she has is that she got all my hair that I was losing. (laughs) (laughs) She has a head full of hair. Oh, yeah. And another thing, they said that her intestine might be affected by it. So it might not develop properly. So then right after she was born, she also had an ultrasound done. But she's perfectly healthy so far. So I hope that she stays that way. My fear now is, you know, what if something happens down the road? That's, I think, my only fear now. But no, that placenta was definitely strong. And after I had the baby, he said, do you want to look at it? Oh, yes, I want to look at it. (laughs) (laughs) I would like hug that placenta (laughs) if I were you. I mean, it's said time and time again how amazing a woman's body is. But man, like, wow, like your body is just so incredible, right? It's amazing. Yes. I mean, I was always fascinated by like how we can see and capture things. But like our body is way beyond just that. I mean, it's amazing. And with your firstborn, did you always have in your mind that you wanted to do an unmedicated birth? Yes. From the beginning, I said, you know, my body was meant to do this, so I'm going to do it. And I did it with my first and I did it with my second. (laughs) Wow. You are a strong strong woman. (laughs) Yes. You are a strong mama. Your husband can <laughs> never, ever complain about a thing again. <laughs> yes, I tell him that. I was like, what? And whenever, you know, of course, when you men have a code, <laughs> I'm dying. Oh, uh, really? Go give birth. Let me let you know. I love you, Doug. But actually, I got to give my husband a little bit of props because you don't really complain that much. I think I whine a little bit more, Uh, (laughs) even though like I'm (laughs) strong and I'll get through it. But I'm like, please just love on me while I'm in pain. (laughs) I'm not sure if you were familiar with us, but we had shared our home birth that we did, you know, for for different circumstances, obviously with the coronavirus around, it was kind of, you know, a decision that we had to make. How helpful was your husband through all of this? Because I think that it's tough for a guy, and I know just speaking personally, to see something like this happen and kind of take on you know, the strong role. Can you walk me through how your husband was? And do you have any advice for any guys that are going through this with their spouse? Oh, yes. Um, I would say that my husband was definitely my rock. You know, I was strong, I think, you know, my mindset, and I kept telling myself that I'll be strong on my own. I was saying, no, my thing is, be your own strength. But at the same time, he was, you know, half of that. He was always there. And whenever I had those chemo days where I was down and I was depressed, he's like, no, you're going outside. You're going to go and you're going to walk to the mailbox and come back just to get like a little exercise in there and get me going. And that did yeah. help. Like I didn't yeah. want to get up. I had no energy, no means to get up at all. I just wanted to sit here and stay. But no, he would say, just get the mail, you know, and I'll go get it and come back. And at work, he would always be there at chemo with me. So I think for a spouse, just, I guess, try to, if they're sad, try to make them happy this day. Try to always kind of be the entertainer in the situation, you know, because that's what he was. And when he was at work, he's a police officer. So he would come and he would bring his friends to kind of, you know, help me go through the chemo. So I wouldn't be there by myself. Oh, that's It definitely so helped for sure. Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, what? What was the toughest thing about all of this, if you could peg one thing? The toughest thing, I would say, was the unknown of what was going to happen to my baby. Yeah, definitely. That was like my biggest fear. And that was one thing that I kept thinking to myself all the time. Like when I would shower, I would just hold my stomach and I'm like, you're okay, baby. Are you okay in there? Oh, my goodness. And like there was, you know, one fear when I was at chemo. I had a session and I was almost done and the baby hadn't moved. Like I noticed the baby hadn't moved all day. And mm. I was freaking out and I told the nurse, like, something's wrong. I think the chemo is affecting the baby. She hasn't moved all day and I've been here for, you know, almost four hours. I like, no, 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 let's schedule an appointment, you know, to with your gynecologist and we're going to check it. And I was like, okay. 
I'm gonna go right after. As soon as I'm done here, I'm gonna go. And she's like, you know what? How about you eat a brownie? So I ate a brownie. Nothing. I'm like, I think I might need another brownie. <laughs> I need another brownie. And then finally, like, she's the baby's telling me, but that, oh, it was hard. Because I think with every pregnancy, you're always scared. Yes, yes. But, you know, when you have a little extra thing added to it, it's even harder and you worry more. But she started moving. The brownie helped. Yep. Always <laughs> just, eat brownies. <laughs> just eat a couple brownies. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, no, I hear you. We had a scare like that and I didn't even have chemo or any reason other than. Right. I mean, I got to say, holy moly, you are so strong to be able to go through that and to stay optimistic, which like Doug was saying, I really think that mentality in the fact that your husband, you know, encouraged you to go out just to go to the mailbox, get the mail and come back just to have sunshine yeah. on your face. It really, really does help. I'm just curious, like, so if someone is going through something difficult, maybe not even ovarian cancer, but something in general that's just so difficult, what are some tips that you have to give to another woman or another man who's going through something so hard and they're trying to stay positive and trying to, you know, see the other side of it? What are some tips that you have for a person like that? You know, my mom always said that life is hard in itself. And if you think in your head that it's so hard just for you, then your life is going to be miserable. because we go through tough stuff, so we appreciate the good stuff. And that is true. Like, it is so true. You know, like I went through this, it was a bad year. And right now the whole world is going through a tough time, but it's going to go away. We know it's going to be okay. So just think to yourself, it is going to be okay. There will be a tomorrow and it's going to be a better day. But if you don't think that you're not going to be okay, then no, it's going to be sad days. And I have a mom that has bipolar depression. She's always sad. So now I'm always like, mom, it's going to be tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a, day, a better day. It is going to be a better day. I'm telling you. <laughs> that's <laughs> so I think you just tell yourself that it will be a better day. No, that's what I kept telling. It's going to be over today. It's okay. Today was bad. I'm going to go to sleep tomorrow. I'm going to wake up. <laughs> <laughs> that's fun. Yeah. And I always tell for any strong women out there, because, you know, my wife is superwoman to me. Yeah. It's okay to lean on others sometimes. Of course, exactly. You know, use the resources around you. I mean, that works with really everything in life. Use the resources that you have available. And it really does say a lot about you, how strong you are, how strong your family is. And I'm sure you all are stronger going through this together. Exactly. As far as the treatment goes and for the future of the family, are you guys planning on having more children? Uh, We always wanted two, no matter, you know, if it was two girls, two boys, it would always be two. So now I, my doctor strongly suggests that I remove my other ovary, which no, no more kids. Uh, but he said that ovarian cancer treats really well with chemo, but it does have a higher chance of coming back. Oh. And I do have, you know, ladies at chemo that did tell me that they were there for the third time because they had on their left ovary. They removed it, went to chemo, everything was good. And then six months later, it came back on the other ovary. So they removed it, you know, and then now she was back because it wasn't her kidney. So I'm definitely going to have to go to surgery again and remove it. And of course, no more kids, but I'm so grateful to have my two daughters. Yeah. Very, very blessed that, you know, my dream was to be a mom. I'm very grateful. Speaking of your girls, how old are they now? So Maya will be two in August. Oh. And Ava is three months old. Oh, she's such a sweet baby. Oh, <laughs> you really just got out of this whole situation, huh? Because you just had yes, your baby three months ago. As soon as I had her, we had tests and he said, what? What happened? You just had cancer. Like literally your blood level, everything was crazy on your body. And as soon as you had your daughter, it's like everything went away with that placenta. I'm telling you. 
because it was two weeks later, I did blood tests and he said, you're cancer free. And I said, what? Wow. What do you mean I'm cancer free? <laughs> it just happened so fast that, you know, I think back and I'm like, wow, I really had cancer. What? I did. You know, yeah. it still kind of amazed me like, no, I didn't. <laughs> I, I can see by my hair. <laughs> yeah. Before we let you go, something yes. that I wanted to ask you, because our children are kind of similar in age. We have a little girl that's going on three and obviously a, a one and a half oh, yeah. month old Gracie. baby. Yeah. They're so cute. Oh, thank you so much. How is your older daughter adjusting? Uh, at first she was, I think, a little bit jealous, but now Ava is everything to her. She will the baby's cry. She runs to the baby, give this pacifier, like yep. you know, to calm her down. She's kissing and patting on her head. I think she really loves the hair, the head of hair. <laughs> she's always petting it. So she's okay now. I think she has adjusted to okay. This little thing is coming, and this little thing is staying. It's not yeah. going anywhere. I might as well embrace it. <laughs> Honestly, that is exactly how it's been so far with our daughter and with our son, because at first yeah. she had no interest whatsoever. And now, just like you said, when the baby cries, she runs to get the pacifiers. Right? Mom, the baby's <laughs> crying. He needs a pacifier. <laughs> oh. It's so cute. It is really cute. Oh, Sanji, I can't tell you thank you enough for sharing your story, like taking the time out to come be a part of this podcast. I can't tell you how many women you've inspired me immensely. I found you on Instagram. Aww. And I was like, wow, like this is just so inspiring. So thank you so much for sharing your truth. And I'm sure you're inspiring so many more women, not just myself. If everyone wants to find you to follow you, where can they find you? Um, always on Instagram. It's Sanji Mama doll. And it's perfect, you know, because I have my little dolls. Yeah. <laughs> but no, you know, it's an honor to be here because I do hope that I can inspire many others that might be going to a similar situation. Or just need that positivity. You know, we're in this together. Don't feel alone. Do reach out for others because there are other people out there that went through the same thing that you're going through. You know? Absolutely. Definitely. You know, a lot of the stories that we hear about cancer survivors and, and people that have beaten cancer, it really has a lot to do about attitude. I think so too. Well, I think attitude and mental health is so key, but I also think that like what you put into your body is also super duper important yeah. and like your support system. I mean, so many things. A hundred percent. I mean, the, the people behind, uh, you know, you, at some point you have to realize that you can't do everything yourself and you know, it's just nice to have people to rely on. Yeah. And thank God she has such a good support system yeah. and her husband was amazing. It sounds like, yeah. but yeah, I mean that, that woman is inspiring and on many levels. I mean, the fact that she went through so much while she was pregnant and she still had a smile on her face and she still shows up daily with a smile on her face. <laughs> I mean, if anyone gets to complain in life, she gets to, but she yeah. doesn't. And that's why she's living the good life. I know. Well, thank you guys again for another episode. We have a great guest coming on next week. More. Actually, next week, I think, Doug, I, I think I want to just... I want myself, like I'm going to be selfish and just talk all about Married at First Sight next week. Yeah, I, I have think... so many thoughts and unfiltered, you know, I love hosting that show, but it's very, you know, obviously it's a TV show that's produced by Married at First Sight. Yep. The podcast, I get to be me and real and share it like it is. Like Whereas on, when I'm on unfiltered, I have to be kind of like devil's advocate on every level. So next okay. week I want to just dish about Married at First Sight. I'm into that. And Spill I'll, the tea. Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll give my two cents. You know I will. 
yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really into the season and I have so much to say <laughs> and I don't want to cut an interview short ever. Gotcha. So let's just talk about Married at First Sight next All week. Right. Well, we'll see you then. And remember that you can find Hot Marriage Cool Parents on Instagram uh, to stay up to date on everything about the show or Jamie and Otis or Doug Hainer on social media. And we love you and wash your hands. Yeah. And, and wear a mask. Peeps. Wear a mask. Seriously. For Good. your, wear a seatbelt, wear a mask. Yeah. Love you. <laughs> Goodbye. Love you guys. Bye.